Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Talky podcast. My name's Nick French and tonight I'm joined by Sam Drift. Good evening. And by Johnny Jones. Hey guys, how you doing? So it's been a bit a bit bitty this uh, last couple of weeks. Obviously we've, we've not had an older shot game to, to do. So we're going back to the game before that, which I believe was Solly Hull at home. Um, I don't really know where we're going to start with that one. Um, obviously, the result didn't go the way that we were hoping for. Um, Sam, do you want to kind of talk us through how you felt about that game? Yeah, I mean, you go into that game and Solihull are a really good side. They've kept a lot of the players that did well for them last season and they seem to have had a, been on really an upward trajectory for a good few years now. And they've got a good project going on. I remember when we spoke to Ian Atkins on here, actually, and he said that, you know, he's advised people there and it's a really it's a proper setup and you know I think it's difficult because we t- we look at the names of these sides and it's not you know because we still think of ourselves as a league club but you can't kind of look at who it, the name that there are some really good setups and when you play them you always think you take a draw because they are like I say I mean they're, they're you could just see from the off they look like a really good team um, but we took the lead. It was a really smart goal from Goodwin, um, who I think has been really good. And I think he's starting to come into his own, to be honest. I think he's probably the player that stands out most to me at the moment going forward. Um, but we took the lead and I thought, I didn't expect that. I wonder if, you know, there must be a bit of confidence. And then it just all seemed to go wrong. Um, problem is, I mean, I'll be honest, their first and second goals, I thought were just really good goals. I thought we just got undone by a better team. But when it looks like this kind of side, when they go down, their heads stay down. There's just, you look at the starting lineup, and apart from Dean Moxie, there's not really any proper experience on there. I mean, Corey Andrews is 24, 25, and he's played a bit and, you know, been around a bit. But in terms of proper football experience, you've just got Dean Moxie. And I think a lot of them, no matter how talented they might be or might come to be, I feel like they're just kind of, learning about being a, f- a professional footballer in the men's game you know with fans watching every week and you can just tell that a lot of them just don't really know how to deal with it when they go behind it doesn't seem to be a huge amount of structure within the within the midfield um and as as we well know that's that's kind of where our strength has laid in the past and with the number of central midfielders that we had on the books at the start of the season it seems a bit perverse really that, that we're sat here talking about the midfield not being strong enough or not being good enough but the, I mean the two players that you would would hope to give you structure would be Wiesa Hall and, and Tom Lapsley who have obviously missed out what who who's playing where in that central midfield because we've got Hanson we've got McGavin you know who's taking the responsibility there to, to hold and to actually orchestrate play it's a really tough one because Ryan Hansen seems like he he is a bit of a leader. I think he will be as he grows into it. Because, I mean, he was captain at Dover, but he he's not... He looks like he's not fully comfortable yet. I don't, I'm not sure if it's him and Brett McGavin kind of working out their roles. Because I think a lot of us thought that Brett McGavin would be like a number 10, like a kind of cross between Little and Evans. But I see him more as a bit of a Ace of Hall when we first got him. Box to box, you know, he's big... But it's almost like they haven't quite worked out who's who in that partnership. And 
I mean, I'll be honest, Brett McGavin, I've seen bits of his play where I think he's got some real quality and I think he'll come good. But the guy needs a rocket up his arse. He just seems a little bit lethargic and a little bit half-arsed sometimes. Um, And I I think one of the big misses is when you haven't got... Because Asa Hall offers you so much in terms of leadership and structure. The amount of times that we have seen him come off and all of a sudden we have no midfield. But then Tom Lapsey's a huge miss because he is... He's the only one that we all know exactly what he's going to do when he's on the pitch. He's going to sit in front of the back four and just be that kind of, that Damon Lathrope type player, you know, from the Ling season. You know, because even Asa Hall, sometimes he can play more advanced, sometimes he play deeper. And I think that's that's one of the great things about Asa, is he's still got so many strings to his bow. But yeah, I really feel like we, we do miss Lapsy when he doesn't play just for that, I don't know, just, just for that real kind of anchor role where you know that at least you've got him there and the others can kind of play around him. So, I mean, were you at the game, Johnny? I wasn't at Sully Hall. Well, I wasn't at playing more for the Sully Hall game, but I was at Wildstone. And I think, well, we'll, 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 talk, we'll get onto it in a minute. So I won't jump ahead too much, but... No, 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 that's that's fair enough. I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of gauge your, your response from almost where... The season has gone so far. Obviously, we haven't had a huge amount of controlling games. You know, even even the points that we have got seem to have been smash and grab results. You know, where's where's the control going to come from? I think, as Sam says, I think we're we're missing Lapsley quite heavily. I think I think his his role in the team is a little bit underrated uh, in some respects. I think. On Saturday, we just needed someone to just, you know, there's so many occasions where we could just nick that ball, we'll be in for a counter-attack, but there's just no one who, who's got the knack of just winning the ball back, especially in the centre of midfield. Um, so, and looking at the highlights of the Solly Hull, it just seemed to be that the centre of midfield in particular was just getting overrun. Um, I know we sort of were chasing the game a little bit. Um, second half, but um, <clears throat> I think midfield is probably the area where we've we've got a we've got to figure out the structure and also probably bring in some um, some wide players. Um, yeah, I mean that was going to be my next question. You know, are, are the answers in the building? As as Gary Johnson would say, are the answers in the building or, or are we going to have to look at who's good enough, who's not, and, and shift some players out? I think he's still working out. I mean, you know, we see it a lot. You know, last season there were players that we almost wrote off. I know personally, I wrote off Dan Martin. I thought he wasn't good enough. He then turns it around and he's a player we we're all looking forward to kind of getting back properly into the team. So I don't think it's fair to kind of think who you're going to ship off yet. I mean, I saw suggestions of loaning out Corey Andrews, I just thought. Really, um, I wouldn't understand the logic in that at all. Um, but I think the main thing is, is like Johnny says, get a, we, we're short of a couple of decent wingers. I think Corey Evans has got something. I like the look of him. I think he looked like the most likely to create something on the Tuesday game. And I think he's someone that could really, if he just, you know, if they just say to him, right, you're playing out wide. He knows because he seems to have been moved from pillar to post in terms of where he's starting, you know, in terms of going from wing back to midfield to supporting the striker. I think he needs to just be a wide player. I don't think an awful lot of the lab we've got from Exeter. I don't think he's all that much. He's not done anything of note. 
So I think if you've got a decent kind of right winger in on loan, I'd be happy with that. Because I think the back four personally, I mean, if 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 players were fit and I was picking my kind of dream lineup at the moment, I think I'd go four four two. Halstead in guard. I think he needs to come back. I love it. I don't know. Apparently, he looked, was he right on Saturday, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. To be fair to him, he he did he did everything he's kind of asked to do. Love it. He didn't make any blunders. Um, made didn't have too many saves to make first half, but second half it was a bit of a bit of an onslaught, and he he made a few decent saves. Um, to be yeah, uh, he's, 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 he looks okay to me. Love it, but. I wouldn't grudge Halstead coming back in. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I, I'd start Halstead just to add a bit of add a bit. I just think, as I keep saying, you just put an adult onto the pitch. Um, yeah. You know, Halstead's got that bit of extra experience. I'd start him. I'd go for Crow at right back still. I think he's got a lot of proving to do, but I do think there probably is a player in there. I'd probably go Marshall and Moxie in defence if, if, if he's injured. Omar hadn't done anything wrong. I like Marshall and I give Dan Martin the left back spot. And then in midfield, I think no, I wouldn't. I do I still go five at the back at the moment because I'm I'm talking as if we had someone on loan, but we don't. I'd go three at the back, you know, the three centre backs, Martin and Crow as wing backs. And then I'd have the two holding midfielders as if they're fit, Lapsley and Hall or Lapsley and Hansen with McGavin kind of box to box. And then I'd probably give Andrews a rest for a game, put Jarvis in the middle, Goodwin and Evan supporting him. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because what looked promising in the olden game and you know and and there were a lot of unfairly negative comments you know very very soon after the first game of the season you know you would have hoped to have seen a few more maybe shoots of of progress if if you like um but you get sort of to, to the ninth tenth game in and gary always says you know don't judge us until after 10 games well, you know, we, we can probably judge now because we've got Wrexham away on Saturday and that's not not a particularly nice 10th game to, to to be rounding off that introduction to the season. Um, I, I wouldn't disagree with what, what you've said there at all. Um, you know, it, it's whether or not one of those midfielders needs to maybe sit out in order to to bring in some some width and some pace because you look at what, what Johnson's done. I mean, I know... I know Sherring and Randall came in on, on the eve of the first game of the season when they did. But he took plenty of time to analyse his squad last year. We had a not dissimilar start. We had almost the same number of points from the same number of games as we have now. And then he went out and went, right, I need to get rid of Gabby Rogers and, and you know, and people who he'd given the opportunity to and they didn't take it. You know, you look at Dan Martin and I've got nothing but massive respect for Dan Martin because he looked finished after the, the sending off at Haven't. Um, and he came back and, and had this resurgence in the, the sort of middle third of the season and is now somebody we're, we're relying on to come back and actually provide us with back. quality. Um, but, you know, he went out and found Duke McKenna and he found Armstrong and he found those players that he knew were missing and, and where the gaps in the, the squad were. So 
I, I don't see a, this this season being too dissimilar to that. He's clearly, you know, and, and you can talk about, you know, a two-year project, you know, whatever. It's still grossly unfair to be writing players off completely after this number of games. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll concede the height of irony because I was, you know, one of Ali Omar's biggest detractors after about three games last season. I don't think you're really the only one in that camp. I'll, um, I'll, 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 I'll march into the, onto that hill with you, don't worry. But but we did we did the same thing with, you know, with him and with Halstead. And I think it's it's a much bigger measure of, of people if they can actually turn around and say, okay, could, could have been wrong there. Now, jury's still out slightly on Omar for me. Yeah, but, no, likewise. But Halstead, when he came first, first two or three games of this season, he looked like a new sign, a completely new signing, someone we'd never seen play before. Oh my god! When when we went to Halifax and we were singing, "There's only one Mark Halstead," I thought it was in a parallel universe compared to last season. Honestly, I didn't think I'd be at the front just singing that at the top of my voice. You know, so none of none of these players uh, and how they've played are going to be a reflection on how we feel at the end of this season, at the beginning of next season. And it's probably important sometimes to remember that these they've got one of the youngest squads in the league, if if not the youngest squad. And actually, it's quite obvious that we've we've gone for that that method this time round because the budget clearly isn't there, you know. And, and and we've had people talking about you know it's time to make a change in terms of the manager. And if if, you, if you've got hundred grand to sack him and Aaron Downs, you've got hundred grand to bring in two two players on a grand a week who would Im- immediately improve the quality of the squad. Well, you have, we haven't got that money. You know, if the money was there, it would be given to him to spend. I see what frustrates me is it's a bit like people are blaming it on the signings. Well, I'm sorry, but we can't go out and get proven players at this level or the level above. We're doing a lot of kind of relying on, you know, getting players who have been at academies and may have been on loan. So like Brett McGavin did all right, apparently at Kings Lynn, you know, Ryan Hansen did all right at Dover. You're getting players that have done it at this level, but a lot of them you can't really kind of properly work out until you sign them. So, and you think, I was trying to make this point to someone the other day. I'm 25. I can't really imagine moving away to start a job with a whole new team of people halfway across the country that I've never met before and expect to perform all together as if we know each other. You know, I find that really difficult. Now, these lads are all young. They're moving away from home. They're, everything is, a, you know, it's a complete... They're, they're most of them hundreds of, hundreds of miles away from where they're from. It's settling into a new area as much as anything. They're all still working each other out. The gaffer's still working them out. And I tweeted the other day, we're not just in a two-year project. We're in the first quarter of a two-year project sorry in the first eighth of a two-year project it's that like don't get me wrong if we get to christmas and certain players are still pretty poor i'll say do you know what they've had their chance you know i think we all did it with players like keelan o'connell last season it got to kind of like november time december and you thought do you know what they haven't done it they're not good enough but you don't write a player off really early i mean danny wright didn't score for the first few games or he didn't look like he was going to score for the first few games he then became one of our most important players. Um, who else did people written off that come good? I mean, the abuse that Armani Little got, like, Armani Little got last season. That, you know, best midfielders play for us since probably Lee Mansell. Cla- Claxon. <laughs> ding ding. But 
I just don't get it. They're, they're young lads. And it's, yeah, we've not been good enough. That, that, no one's not saying that. But I don't get the kind of, oh, something's got to change, you know. And I think I think maybe people have become too used to us doing well because we did for that, what, couple of years in the bounce. The first, this is the first proper rut, I would say. I know we did we did have an unbeaten um sorry we did have a run of not of losses I can't remember I think it was sort of maybe the end of 2019 where we like we beat Woking at Playmore and that kind of ended the run but I feel like this is the this is the first real kind of period where people are questioning whether Gary Johnson's the right man for the job um but what I again what I would say if you get rid of him we can't afford to go out and buy a brand, you know, four or five new players as it is. So you're going to have arguably a less experienced manager working with the same squad. So I don't understand how that's going to be an improvement on what we've already got. We've just got to, we've just got to trust him. I think to, you, you, to, you're to get it right. right. You're completely right because the other the other thing is this is. And it's understandable, I, you know. I'll, I'll give people the fact that it is understandable that after after some success and after almost going up, and then there were a lot of excuses made for the beginning of last season where the start was slower. There was no preseason. He had to do his recruitment in in three weeks. You can't keep wheeling out excuses for poor performances and and for for poor recruitment. So there are questions to be asked, and I, I you know I, I'm quite happy to you know to to bat answers off and and. There, there are justifiable things that, that are being said in that the recruitment isn't where we would like it to be. We're not stupid. None, none of us are going to sit here and go, yeah, we're exactly where we'd like to be in the table. Of course but not. but we, we, we are who we are and we're, we're there because either, either the budget's not there, you know, or the recruitment has been particularly bad. There's probably an element, an element of truth in both. You yeah, know. I think I think that's where we are in the, on this debate. It's you for some reason people don't seem to want to take a middle ground. It's like Johnson out, the players are shit, but in reality, the players need to improve, and Gary Johnson's probably the person that's going to get them there. Like, yeah, you can accept his um, his signings haven't been great, but at the same time, you need to give him time to get them to where he thinks that they can get to. I'll be honest. Sorry, go on. And we've not even gone, we've not even used the loan market yet. Like, I feel like he, he'll, be, he'll be desperate to get some people in on loan, I'm sure of it. It's just waiting for the, the right person. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. He, he's definitely, I reckon that's what he does most days. He's on the phone to people that he knows going, right, you know, I need a, a right midfielder. Who have you got? They need to fit this criteria. I'll be honest, I was on a stag deal on Friday and we went to Galaxy, the pool club in, and pool and dance club in Torquay and um, a couple of the players were in there. So we got chatting to them and they said, look, we all completely believe what the gaffer's doing. We really like him. We're just a bit pissed off that the results aren't coming, but they will. Like, do not worry about that. The results come in. You know, like, we're just learning each other's games. That's the thing. We're just getting used to each how each other plays. And... It was really reassuring. They were like, we know it hasn't been good enough, but we also know what we're trying to do. We know, um, you know, the, the feeling on the training ground is really positive. And you think, cool, I'm, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, I you mean, can, I, you I, can I forgive keep them seeing, that, can't 
yeah, I keep seeing things about how he's lost the passion and he didn't come over and clap the fans on Saturday. It's just not true. He came like he didn't come over and do the fist bump, but he did clap the fans. I just feel like there's a section of people that have just decided. That... There's a section of people, I'm not going to name names, we can't be asked, but I'm sure that some of them probably would be disappointed that we didn't lose on Saturday. And I think, draw. yeah. I th- like, it doesn't fit their agenda. Some people are so desperate for it to be bad. Just so, and I, do you know what? I, I've had this conversation with a few people and I remember I've been talking to Marcus Arscott about it, but it's like, it comes down to that kind of Arsenal fan TV generation of fan where it's so reactionary. They can't just go, that was a bit of shit, but you know, I can see what they're trying to do. They'll clearly get there. It's that kind of like, it was either the best thing ever or, well, it's fucking shit. You know, I hate, I hate this club. The gaffer's rubbish, you know, suck it. It's just that like, hang on, take a step back. Think about everything and then make your comment. Yeah, it's what you got to do. Because, I mean, I didn't stand in Wildstone's ground on Saturday and have a, an absolutely amazing time. Bar the first two minutes where we kicked off and scored. Like, okay, first half we huffed and puffed and... It was sort of even, but second half, we literally just camped in our own heart. Um, but I feel like people, I woke up on Sunday and thought we'd lost on Saturday. I know I know we it was only a draw and we played pretty crap again, but um, what am I trying to say here? I think we just need to kind of just, everyone just needs to relax a little bit and just have faith in in this manager that we've got who's vastly experienced. I think it's all about having a bit of patience. You know, some somebody had said to me in, you know, on or had sent a, a reply to one of my my tweets. And it was, you know, we're 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 heading for or we, we could be heading for the National League South. I was like, not in a million years. You know, that's not not gonna happen. You've got a brand new squad. You know, you look at the sides. Even even when we lost in the playoff final, so you can compare the two like for like, compare us and Solihull. Solihull managed to keep Sabara, keep, you know, the, the, yes, okay, they've lost Kyle Hudlin, but he wasn't he wasn't a, a kind of massive player for them anyway. But they've managed to keep know. hold of all I of their know. squad. He's about seven foot two. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but they've managed to keep hold of, of the majority of their squad. And again, I, th- I think it's yeah. slightly disrespectful to be expecting to turn over sides like Solihull, who are in a better place than us. They've actually, their investment has come in the right way. They've built season on season. And, and you know, from a point where they were, you know, one of those outsiders for the playoffs, they've then become a playoff team and were very unlucky not to go up. But for, but probably, but for the injury to, to Hudlin, you know, would have possibly been able to, to sort of see that one over the line. Um, but but okay, a four-one defeat at home to anybody is not a good result. No one's trying to you know to deny that. And if we'd lost two-one, then you could kind of say, yeah, Solihull, that they're a good side. But they are. They they're they're two seasons, three seasons further down than we were. When when we came off the back of the playoff season, we didn't have a lot of those players that have got us there because we lost McDonald straight away. Then you lose Cameron, you lose Namain, you know, there's, there's players who aren't Whitfield. coming back. Yeah. And, and Wits and, and, you know, we didn't have that continuity going into the next season. 
I think that's I think that's another point as well. People doubting uh, Gary Johnson's recruitment is you do need to look at these players that we just listed there. I know Gary Johnson didn't necessarily put all of them, and it's actually probably Gary Howard, but he has nurtured a lot of decent players at this level. I think. Well, he made a good point, didn't he, when he said that you know Evans wasn't you know Lemon Heavens wasn't great when he first came in. Uh, Armani Little took a bit of time to sell in. Yeah, Nemain, Whitfield, a lot of them, he made them all. Aaron Nemain is a prime example, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's like, surely you just give him time. And it's funny, I, I, I was having the same debate with a West Ham fan on Twitter yesterday because West Ham are not having a great start to the season. They're like, oh, we're going to be championship for you now. It's like, yeah, but we're not though, are we? Like, <laughs> it's the same thing you think. Football fans are like this. My point is, football fans are like this everywhere. It's like one of the things I found about Saturday was yeah, it's Wealdstone and it's they're a little club, but people said, oh, we should be beating the team like Wealdstone. Yeah, but Wealdstone are also having a really good start to the season. They've got part-time players, but they've got part-time players that if they're full-time, we'd be all over, like Max Kreshmar. Sure, they've got a couple of others. They got a good deal for Josh Umera. Naturally, if you play on a team that's had a better start than you, you know, they're it's no, it's not an embarrassment to not go and beat them, you know, just because they are who they are. In the same way that teams will go to Fulham this year and think, oh my God, I can't believe we didn't beat Fulham. Is that, like, yeah, but they've actually started quite well and they're doing all right. You know, it's, football doesn't follow a law where if you're a cert, if you've got a certain name or you've got certain players, you have a divine right to win. Some teams just get momentum. You know, look at when Leicester won the Premier League. I know it's like a ridiculous example, but everyone went to Leicester thinking we'll be the ones to end their run. They're not, you know, they've got players they've signed on a free transfer. We've got, you know, billionaire footballers. It's, yeah, I really, people sort of saying it, it's, it's because it's wheels. They think, no, 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 just perspective. Yeah, I mean, we've, I suppose we've kind of not really covered Solihull and Wheelstone in a, a separate games thing, but it's it's sort of more more general topic of conversation. What what would you say from from Saturday, Johnny? Would be the the promising what the you know that, that people should actually be looking out for. Uh, I mean, Ali Omar and Marshall played played well. I think Marshall had a good game. He was better than he was at South End for me. I think a few people said he was man of the match at South End. I like Marshall. I think I think he looks like a good player and he's a bit of a leader. Yeah, I think he was he, he was throwing himself in front of everything again. Um, uh, Evans looked looked pretty bright actually. He played on the right hand side. Um, he's definitely got ability. There's no denying that he can pick up the ball and he can turn and or sixpence and sort of you know did a few nice little runs. So I think he's definitely got potential. Um, Nice to see Asa Hall back. He you know, hit the post from a header. Could have made it 2-0. Um, we just look a bit more assured when, when he's on the pitch. Um, it's always been the case, hasn't it? It's yeah. always been the case that he just seems to bring this air of calm and air of stability to our, yeah. our whole team. It's not just, not just the midfield. It's not just the shape he adds to the midfield. Yeah. He's just one of those players who... Even even if he can only play fifteen games this season, you keep him. Yeah, he did. He looked a bit spent after about an hour or so. That I, I feel that sort of that was always going to happen because he's 
he's, just, he's still not 100% fit, I would say. So is, even if Ace is not playing, I'd still have him just because I bet the impact he has on the dressing round, on the dressing room in the training ground, it is, it's yeah. it's just priceless. You know, you, you look at certain football teams, maybe in the Premier League, who, you know, there was one team. I'm not going to name them, but they lost a player who'd been there since he was like for the last. He was there for like 18 years, and you can already notice the difference with him not being in the dressing room. You can notice there is that lack of leadership on the pitch. Yeah, I feel not noble. <laughs> Could never have guessed that, mate. No, just in case anyone didn't. <laughs> that um, was this week's game. Um, and then up front, good win again. Looked sharp. He's a good player. Um, <clears throat> and then I've seen a bit of stick going Corey, uh, Corey Andrews' way, um, which I feel is a little bit undeserved, to be perfectly honest, just given the fact that he's been asked to chase down hopeful 50-50 balls over the top time and time and time again. And, yeah, I just don't understand. I, What's he going to do with it? Like, do you, know, do you know who Corey Andrews reminds me of a little bit? He reminds me of Benyon in the sense that he's doing a lot of the kind of the legwork. He's doing a lot of that work that won't get he's any... He, he's trying. He is really, yeah. He's definitely... He's running himself into the ground. He'll get a lot, he'll do a lot of that work that goes unnoticed. But because of... Like, I, Goodwin scored because of him on Tuesday. You know, mm. Corey Andrews made the space. Um, yeah, again, I saw some stick. I, he was getting some stick on Twitter, and I just thought, well, you clearly weren't at the game. Actually, well, I saw one person tweet it when he was at the game, but yeah, he, I don't think holding the ball up and stuff is really what he wants to do. But the way we're playing at the moment, we've just got no thread through midfield whatsoever. So it's basically gets to the left back or right back, and then they just sort of hit sort of that floating ball over the top. And it's just kind of hopeful. It's just a hopeful ball over the top that they're just we're hoping they're going to get a nick on. And that's 100% where we need to improve is down the flanks. Like there's times in the second half get, um, on Saturday where um, we'll get it in the centre of the park attacking and Crow is just stood, basically stood still on the halfway line. And I don't know whether that's, don't know if he's been told to do that, to not bomb on. But we've just got no attacking width at all. And I just feel like that's one of the main reasons why we're just not creating many chances. I feel like the season kind of has been a bit of a sliding doors moment on Corey Andrews getting injured against Oldham because we'd started like an absolute train. You know, we'd, we'd hit the bar, we'd had a couple of other chances and then he goes down and gets himself injured. And that just seemed to suck the life out of us uh, on the opening day. And then he misses the next three or four games. He then comes back in and is probably working his way back up to fitness because it's not hard to lose fitness. When you when you get into that first game of the season, everybody's on a level playing field. Well, by the time you come back six games in, everybody else is then flying and you're not. So I think he's probably not up until about now going to be showing us an awful lot of what he's capable of. He also because... came to us with a slight groin injury. So he's not, he wasn't even training at full capacity when he came to us. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a lot of the players that you've said there, you know, the, the promise is is where it's coming through. The only players who who we haven't sort of mentioned really in, in that respect, Crow and Wyatt are, are on, on the, you know, the, the wing back areas. Um, 
I'm not convinced on a wing back formation, but you know, if, if that's the way that we're going, that's that's the way we're going. Um, I'm desperate for Crow to do well, and and I feel like he could be a bit of a Dan Martin. He seems like he's willing to learn, but I just don't think he quite understands what his role is and what's one yeah. what's expected from him. Um, and he's not played a huge amount of first team football. You, you can understand slight criticisms of of McGavin and of Hansen because they've had a season of men's football and, and you know they've, they've got the build they've got the physicality and you can probably maybe rightly expect a bit more from them but when you've got when you've got Crow he's it, it really it's his first season of playing full-time men's football and it's probably a bit of an awakening for him yeah I mean look at um, Ben Winter when we first signed him um, and we're in the south and I'm pretty sure he was getting he was getting written off in those first few games before Gary Johnson came along. Um, so yeah, I feel like you can't write Crow off at all. Um, but yeah, he does need to offer more going forward if that is what if that's the system we're playing, and it seems to be at the moment. And I don't know if you'd agree with me either of you, but. The disappointing player that we've we've brought in for me has been Wyatt. I expected more from a National League winner, from someone who's in his mid-20s, who's played more first-team football. I, I just expected a little bit more from him. I think Wyatt would be like a shoe-in at left-back if we had a Ben Whitfield on the left wing. Like, I feel like he'd just be absolutely... He'd just be fine doing that. But I think at the moment, he's playing... He's playing a role that doesn't suit him. He's playing. I think. Yeah. I don't know if I can't remember if he played left wing on Saturday, but he played left wing against South End, and he, he's he's not an attacking. He's not an attack. The most attack minded player, I don't think. Um, he, he's not a modern fullback. He's just a fullback. He's not this modern yeah. kind of. You know, fullbacks are almost wingers nowadays. You know, you look at some of the ones we've had over the years, and you look, you know, through the football pyramid. He's just a a, a standard fullback. He's not a Liam Davis type who's gonna you know, go on some sort of marauding run. Like, it's just not going to happen. And is, yeah. he pl- is he playing left midfield because Gary's trying to bring Dan Martin back slowly? Because it seems to me there that they should be the other way around because Martin's got the athleticism to get up and back and has probably got a slightly better delivery. So I don't know whether you think that maybe they should be the other way around, but he's trying to give Martin the chance to come back slowly. And so... I think it's personnel because I know on South End we didn't have uh, Martin didn't start that game, so I think I think Mox started left back and he played Crow in front of him. I don't know if he's trying to protect Mox playing because I don't feel like Moxie is just ideally he would play in that left side left side centre half. Think, yeah, I think Moxie's very much a, a centre back now, isn't he? I don't, yeah, don't he got he, he did they, he did get targeted against Solihull because they had a couple of really pacey wingers and pacey forwards, and they just tar- you. He's still the best footballer we've got and the best brain we've got, but unfortunately, age catches up with you, and, and, it, and in terms of pace, his age has caught up with him a bit. So yeah, he, he can't play as a fullback. I think that's probably why they put White in front of him, and also just to change the formation, maybe to help out the midfield a bit. I don't know. And yeah. I, I think it just goes back to the sense that we've got a brand new squad and Johnson's still working it out. Still yeah. working out who his best just, players are. I just don't think he's got the exact personnel he, he, he wants yet to, to play to play left midfield and um, right midfield. Because I don't even think 
Kieran Evans best position is probably I don't know if it is wide on the right it probably being sort of more you know number 10 it's like behind the striker but mm. I'm not really sure <laughs> fair enough fair enough um look well, let's let's end the kind of chat about players and and you know the the season as a whole with a little bit of positivity then so Sam you were at the the Solihull game so give us your your man of the match, your three two one for that one, and we'll make a note of that for our, our sort of player of the season. Just remind me at three two one, where is is three so, my third choice? Yeah, you give give us whichever way round you wanna you wanna do it. Okay, in third is I'll do it. First was Goodwin. Yeah. Second, Evans. Okay. And third, probably Ross Marshall. Okay, and then obviously, Johnny, you were at the uh, Maidenhead away game, so go man of the match, three down to one. Oh, crikey. Um, it was that good, yeah? <laughs> I think I think I've got to go three would be give it Acer, two, Marshall, one, Ali Omar. How much do you celebrate that goal? I was I was gutted. I was gutted that it was an away game that I wasn't. Yeah, the, I mean, the annoying thing was it was down the other end to us. So um it would have been class if it was down our end. But um yeah. I, I was watching a, a football league game on Saturday and um my dad texted me said, I can't believe we've missed his first goal. I was just so, yeah, <laughs> gutted for him. Um I'll tell you what, just just a footnote, a certain uh, Mustafa Carriol played in that game. I won't gonna I'm not gonna say the game I was at. But um, he's still not found London. He's still looking. He's, play, he's playing in the sort of North Midlands at the moment. He's still going. I love a, Mustafa Carrier. Burn, he's doesn't brilliant, isn't he? He does play for Burn, which might give a bit of a clean spell, <laughs> doesn't it? Gone to watch your third team. <laughs> That's letting all in. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, we can move on and talk about Wrexham away, but, you know, in, in the vain hope of trying to kind of finish the, the pod on a slightly positive note. Maybe we don't look ahead to playing the Can, I, can I just say, let's be honest, we've all seen this film before. This yeah, season, we've all I, seen it before. Yeah. I know, or this series we've seen before, I know exactly what happens in this episode. I know exactly what happens. Everyone does us as a kind of like, they're never going to get anything. Oh, we're going down, we're dreadful. We go there. Corey Andrews scores in the sixth minute with a goal off his ass. We cling on, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're on the biggest run. And that next week we've got a couple of known players in. That's what happens. In fact, I put money on it. Maybe not in scoring off his ass, but one nil. Corey Andrews. Well, yeah, they didn't score against South End on Saturday, did they? And we scored two against them. They didn't. And if anybody ever wants to know um... how, this, how this game goes, <laughs> then. Thursday morning's episode of Welcome to Wrexham will be will be featuring the Yellow Army coin throwing Welshman that we played against, and you know Connor piss on your fireworks Evans scoring his goal and shutting Reynolds and McElhenney up. So exactly. you know we had a hideous start to last season, almost identically play Wrexham away while they're on a bit of a a run and have their their tails up so to speak with the the documentary and what have you and we went up there and we said not on our fucking watch 
Well, Gary's got Parky's number, hasn't he? So he's, he seems to just know how to beat or get a result against Wrexham. They're the games that Gary Johnson lives for, though. He loves getting a result against those kind of teams that we shouldn't get a result against. You know, look at the way he danced against Notts County. Look at the way he celebrates against those kind of teams. He absolutely lives for it. And I get, I really, I like a knob if we don't get anything, but I, I, for some reason, I just fancy. Yeah, just fancy, um, fancy us to get something on Saturday. No, that's good. That's good. I, I, I agree that you know, there's. It, it would be lovely if we do. Um, you know, I, I think whilst the sides come in together, it's like you say, it's it's the games that that Gary sort of lives for, and you know, he he won't let those performances drop on Saturday for sure, and we'll have been drilling them all week on a formation that will make it difficult for Wrexham to play. Um. As long as we can defend a long throw in from, you know, from from the wide, then I don't think we'll have any problems at all because I don't think they really do anything else. No, I don't think they play much attractive football. I think they're just, you know, they're playing football to try and get out of the league, as obviously that sounds. And yeah, I, I'm not worried. I'm really not. I'm more worried when we play teams like Solihull because I just seem to think the name is there and you kind of, the thing is, if we get beat by Wrexham, we get beaten by Wrexham. Uh, you know, there's there's not going to be a, a National League Twitter account that doesn't say that Wrexham win 4-0 on, on Saturday. There aren't going to be Wrexham fans that think that they're not going to win about 4-0. And, you know, most of our negatively minded fans will feel the same. Mm. The rest yeah. of us will just sit there and see what happens and then we'll pick it up again when, you know, we, we play AFC Nobody the following week. You know, there's one thing I would say as well. One thing I would say, um, which is no, it's not I completely forgotten what I was going to say. Well, that that's that's a fantastic insight into that comes out of the edit. Sam's what mind. I would what I would say is almost don't write off Saturday, but you know I'm sure Facebook warriors are getting ready to to write Gary's obituary. But the the following two games <laughs> are both uh, playing more. And against and against Scunny and Maidenhead, it's it's so um, you know those those are the games where like we need to be targeting for wins. Like, I was going to say Saturday's a free hit, isn't it? You know, yeah. I was going to say this. Is what I was going to say he's a proper rose tinted glasses way of looking at it. But us losing four one to Solihull almost came at the right time because whatever whoever you play, whatever team you're in. Getting humbled on your own ground is just the worst thing as a footballer. There's nothing worse than getting beaten that much. It must be embarrassing in front of your own fans. You know, a small team comes your way. It must be horrible. At least they've got that out of the way and they're going to think, oh, we are not letting that happen again. And, you know, look at how we felt. Let's make them feel the same way. That's how I hope they're looking at it. And it really wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of Gary Johnson's team talk. He goes, right, yeah. you know what it's like to lose. Make them know what it's like to lose like that. Any, any other points or? No, that was, that was it. That, that, that <laughs> was it. Um, okay, it's, not so, getting, it's not getting me on BT, is it? I Well, not not if you forget your point for five minutes first. Well, now Hargreaves is gone. There, there's obviously space for kind of a the good looking guys come on. Do you know someone? Yeah, I'm in. No, I'm <laughs> Get on with your next point. <laughs> no, um, I mean, obviously that covers off, you know, games and what have you. Um, moving on to any other business. 
obviously wanted to send all our best to Scott Corduroy, who's um, undergoing some chemo at the moment for um, for cancer. So, you know, I, I know sort of everybody here would would want to sort of pass on their best wishes. I know, I know Scott, I've played football against and, and with Scott. So he's a, he's a really great lad and, you know, hopefully everything turns out for the best for him. Yeah, stay strong, Scott. Yeah, all the best, Scott. Is there anything else that, that either of you two wanted to mention? You may may not have seen on Twitter, it's a bit of a secret, but I know it's a thing, but P, our editor, is running the London Marathon for the Donkey Sanctuary. What? Uh, if you, I know, I know, I'm gobsmacked. If you would like to sponsor, she has links throughout Twitter, and I'm sure the podcast account will be able to put one on as well. We'll give it a retweet. So yeah, if you're able to, give give generously, because I certainly wouldn't want to run, well, I don't really like running a bath, let alone uh, on foot, so... No, yeah. we do. We wish wish her all the best. Obviously, this this is the, the London Marathon, which I believe is the first or set would be the second of October, isn't it? So, you know, good good ten days to you know, and and a payday in between as well. So, if anybody's already donated, then obviously you've got another payday. So there's no excuse for not chucking another fiver in there and making sure that that P gets to her target with um with plenty to spare. Other than that, I think we're probably just about wrapped up for the evening. So thank I will say thank you very much to Johnny Jones. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to Sam Drew. It's been a pleasure. See you all again soon.